Hi everyone, it's Joel on the Stay Hungry podcast. I'm going to be talking to you today about using podcasts to build your profile and I've got an awesome guest for you. I'll let him introduce himself in just a sec. Welcome. Yeah, good afternoon, everyone out there. I jump in just jump off. Yeah, do it, do it. Love okay, that. Are you gonna do, are you gonna do the intro? I was just gonna do welcome and then let you go, but you were away. I'm I'm right in there. I couldn't I couldn't wait for the moment. Uh, hi everyone out there in the podcast. And I hope you're all subscribed to this wonderful podcast. If you're not, hit that button. It doesn't mean a lot to you, but it means a lot to people that create it. So my name's Stephen Round. I'm the creator of the Stephen Round Show podcast. Not that I'm an egomaniac. Uh, just I thought, well, you know, if you're going to brand something, brand it for yourself. Uh, I've created uh, over 50 episodes. So I've had guests from all around the world. Uh, I've travelled to like some of the most dangerous parts of the UK, including Glasgow, which is where I'm from. But no, I've travelled all around with it. Uh, I've interviewed guests in America, interviewed guests in uh, you know Los Angeles, and you know that was physically. If you like a laugh, if you like a bit of giggle, uh, if you like hearing a Glaswegian feeling a bit nervous, tune in for the Jeremy Corbyn interview. And uh, yeah, I love podcasting and, and that's me. That's wild. That's wild. See, I didn't know you'd, you'd had Jeremy Corbyn. Um, I think, actually, to be fair, I've jumped in on Spotify and not all of your episodes are on there. So where can I find all of your episodes? So you can find everything on YouTube. Uh, and of course, if you're on, uh, like, retreat, subscribe, uh, name your firstborn, I don't mind. Wicked. Cool. Jeremy, how did you get Jeremy Corbyn? That's a, that's a biggie. So I know it was a big one. It was a really big one. Uh, that's the second scariest interview that I've ever done. But it was through my girlfriend. So she knows a, a guy that works with the, the big GC, but not the guy that does the wine and, and the fishies and loves. But she knows the Jeremy really well, and he was coming up to Glasgow for an event. Uh, and I'd also, I think previously, they interviewed a, a Labour MP for Glasgow. So I think that went a wee bit, because it was sort of going in grassroots mm-hmm. before going for, you know, the Premiership, if you like. And people like that, yeah, you can do the interview. And, yeah, it's, it, it was just it was the most surreal day. Like, it was just, it was just the strangest thing. Uh, and it went from bad to worse to scary to great. And then at that point, just like he left the room. And then I went for like six pints with my pal who helped me with it. And just like, that was a bit bizarre. And he was just going, but it was great. That's awesome. So is this like at the height of Corbyn mania? Or... It, yeah, this is, this is the, yeah, it was the absolute height of it. And he came up to Glasgow and yeah. Like, it was, it was just surreal. Like, he was getting really hammered from the press in one of my questions. Just going to listen to the episode. It's not long at all. Uh, but one of the questions was about the press. And we just recorded it as an audio, but he actually gave it, like, a lot away in his body language, I think. Uh, I was like, you know, do you think the press have been unfair to you or whatever? And he goes, oh, do you think they have? And it's like, you know. And I'm, I'm neither, you know, politics is not my bag. But you're just thinking, you know, you're speaking to this guy who is perhaps the most kind of straightforward guy that's went through the ringer. And he wasn't, because I've interviewed, you know, politicians before, uh, and he wasn't given that whole, oh, is that the question? I'm going to give you the answer that I want to. Like, it was just like, well, here's the thing, which I really appreciated that honesty. 
uh, appreciated his candor. So yeah, it was yeah, yeah. bonkers. I, I think yeah, without getting um, too off topic or too political about it, I think essentially he and and probably was his downfall was he was just a very straight guy. and very often he would say something that he honestly believed and that was used to to hang him out to dry because that people would pick apart at what could potentially be the underlying components of that so you know that's happened to him over and over again he said something about the working class and that upset the middle class he said something about the middle class and that upset the working class and yeah it's, I mean, have you, have you heard the story about the, the man uh, and the boy and the donkey in the road to Damascus? Uh, no. So they basically, like, they're going to Damascus, uh, and as they go along, like, they try all these different, uh, you know, the, the boy sitting the donkey, like, the boy's, like, shoulder pressing the donkey, the old man in a sled, whatever. But whatever village that they go through, people are going, oh, it's too hot a day, like, the old man shouldn't be walking, or... It's too hot a day. No one should be sitting there. Don't like you can't please. I think that's the yeah. thing of politics. You can't please other people all the time. And as you say, I think because he was just like, well, this is my view. This is in my heart, and this is in my head. Uh, you know, I think that's ultimately why he got shafted. Which it's kind of crazy if you have uh, if you have that view of politics and you want to be honest, and probably not going to get the final rule. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's that's the thing is that. We live in a time, unfortunately, at the moment where you need to be ultra polarizing. And if you're not, if you say something that is maybe a bit bland but honest, that gets torn to pieces, and that, that's that's really sad. That it doesn't really matter which side of the political spectrum you're on. That's just sad for everybody. Crazy, crazy world we live in. So anyway, <laughs> that went deep. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. So, getting a guest like Jeremy Corbyn, what did that do for your listenership? I think it put me into a different. Uh, I think people perceived my, you know, or my show because they just go, if you've got someone on that everyone in the world knows about, then when I was going to go and take like a meeting at BBC they were then going on and they were having a look at the website and they're just going, are we like swearing your podcast? Yeah, yeah, so we want. Yeah. Like people are like having a look at it and they're going, holy fuck, who is this guy and why why is Jeremy Corbyn in his show? Like, you know, why is like, you know, ultimately at the time perhaps one of the most powerful people in, you know, UK, why is he speaking to this Ouija with like a mad beard and a ponytail? What's going on here? So I think there was a massive amount of curiosity and then I think without people actually listening to it, they were just like, oh, you must be up in politics. You must know what we're talking about. Again, purely because I had that guy on. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose it legitimises. Yeah. It certainly did for me. Uh, and then, of course, when I was then going to get like other interviews, and sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, right, who have you had in the podcast? And they're like, Jeremy Corbyn. And they're like, oh, sorry, what day suits you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So, on a on a complete tangent to that, we we were chatting over a drink. It was a month ago now, wasn't it? It's been it's gone quickly. Yeah. And and you you were telling me the story of of a podcast guest 
which is why we got talking about podcasts. And this is mental. Um, talk to me about your gangland friends. All right. Okay. Yeah. So funny enough, we were speaking to Malachi uh, last night. So I spend a lot of time on the internet. Like I do, I love it. I think it can be incredibly fun. Uh, and I'd heard a story about these two uh, gangbangers. And I should say for your US listeners, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, but for people in the UK, a gangbanger is like, you know, like like a, a hoodlum, a, a roadman, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to get into labels. But, you know, you know, you know, there, there, there were gangsters, like, you know, by their own admissions, like, you know, you know, slinging rock, dealing drugs, uh, being involved in, you know, illicit activities, shooting drugs, all that kind of carry on. Anyway, they ended up, uh, they started this amazing business and they now, they now, uh, they serve food. They've got brick and mortar places. They still do the original business model. But I was dying to like sit down and talk with them because one of them's a blood, one of them's a crit. Just to like you know put it down. They're from you know opposing sides. Uh, and I was really desperate to go and interview them, so couldn't get it, couldn't get it, couldn't get it, couldn't get it, couldn't get it. And then eventually just said, "Listen, I'm going to travel from Glasgow to LA. Can I get the gig?" And the girl was like, "What?" I was like, yeah, I said, I'm this week. And she's like, cool, it's done. And she's like, this is great. I'm so excited about you coming. This is great. So we got all the dates. That's fine. Went to go and meet them at the house. And they were just like, so standoffish. Like, just hostile. Yeah. And the sort of body language was like really combative. And I was just like, oh, this, is a, this is a bit mad. There's lots more details that I could go into, but I won't. Uh You've got to, you've got to give us something. You can't say that. All right, okay. So, so, so just to set the scene, it's in Compton in Los Angeles, and if anyone's seen, you know, Boys in the Hood, that is exactly the, the architecture, exactly the, the layout of the, the road and stuff. Uh, I had driven from like a lovely five star hotel, not bragging, it's just a lovely nice five star hotel. Uh, I'd driven down in my white brand new BMW. Uh, I'd driven down and it was just saying you're 10 minutes away from your destination and it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and it's now getting to the stage and I'm just thinking holy shit like I normally amped up for this interview but uh, what am I going to do? Anyway we get closer I phone him and I'm outside the house and I'm like not wanting to sound like white but you know what I'm talking about and then the guy answers the phone and he's like, yo. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> so, so, so the guy's like, that, where are you at? And I'm like, oh, I'm outside the front of the house. And he's like, I'll come and get you. So at that point, a boy comes out. Flip flops, white socks, basketball shorts, white vest, gold chain. And he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, I'm just waiting. He's like, come on then. So we go through the back of the house. Uh, I've been drinking coffee and water because I'm really nervous, right? Uh, and then it's like, listen, before we start, I said, like, you know, is there a toilet something I can use? And then the guy goes, what do you need? And I'm like, oh, this must be a language barrier because I'm Scottish. <laughs> I was like, I need, to, I need to go to the toilet. And he goes, yeah, but what? And he's like, oh, a number one. And he's like, oh, we just need to lay out the back. 
So I'm just thinking, is this some sort of mind trick here? He's like saying, like, you can't go inside the house. And I was like, like, hey, yeah, is that, is that, is that thing? And he goes, yeah, I just go out the lane at the back. So now I'm going out in the lane at the back, like, you know, causing, like, you know, a bit of a kerfuffle or whatever. And then I'm thinking, someone's going to go past and see this, like, you know, big white geezer, like, relieving himself. This is not going to go down too well. As it is, come back in, no, no one's like said anything, getting, getting the gear set up, getting the microphones and everything out. And uh, yeah, the guys are like sort of really combative, like just giving a bit of a look at yourself. So we go to sit down, I'm sort of ready to start the interview, and then he sort of leans forward and he goes, So, uh, you have gangs where you come from? And like, oh, yeah, yeah, I said, you know, gang culture's quite big. Is that all right? What kind of, what kind of guns do you use? And it's like, well, guns are really hard to get a hold of. I said, like, you can get a hold of them. I said, but it's just not for everyday gangs. I said, it's not like America. It's not like a surplus of them everywhere. And he goes, oh, so what do you guys use? I said, oh, well, we be use, you know, like chips. And he goes, oh, chips. I said, yeah, a knife, a blade, you know, a box cutter. And he just went like, oh, yeah, that's it. Up close and personal, you never forget your first one. Uh, and I just said to him, yeah, I said, you know, there's something about that smell of iron in the blood. It just stays out with you forever, doesn't it? And then at that point, he just leaned back and he just started like then going into like this talk and then going into this chat. And in all my times of studying communication, I never thought about you know building trust and rapport by talking about stabbing people. Is that how you got Jeremy Corbyn to open up as well? Yeah, well, no, we're, we're talking about villabongs and steak pies. <laughs> uh, I should I, I should just say to your listeners just now, uh, you know. You know, full full exposure. I have never stabbed anyone. Uh, I've got uh, qualifications on my laps for hostile, you know, medic. So I've studied a lot of first aid and stuff, and that's the reason why I know about it. But it's uh, probably just to say to your listeners, ah, this guy from Glasgow's always talking about stabbing people. Yeah. I'll vouch for you. Officially a gentle giant. It's it's all good. But thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, so I mean it, that's obviously a huge contrast to doing a podcast with Jeremy Corbyn, but but equally, I imagine that brought you listeners you never thought you would get be, be exposed to. What what I will say, two of them are actually closely linked, uh, and this is from about getting from your comfort zone. When the Jeremy Corbyn thing was like going sideways, and it went sideways multiple times. So I was sitting there and I was really nervous. Like I'm talking like I was literally like at the armpits, just like bleaking like mad. Uh, and my friend that was there with me, he goes, how nervous are you about this? And I was like, I'm so nervous. I said, I, ca I can't mentally get a hold of it. And he said, do you remember that time you were in Compton? And I was like, that. let's go. And that was, that was the thing. After that, I was just like, no matter how bad a business situation is, or no matter how bad like an interview is going to be, there's no way then it's going to be as front-loaded, you know, in danger of anxiety as the, you know, the one that Trap Kitchen was. And the boys from Trap Kitchen are brand new. And as I say, like, you know, I spoke to them last night, I probably speak to them about once a quarter. See, I didn't realise it was Trap Kitchen. I don't think I knew that. But uh, a lot of our listeners will know Trap Kitchen because they, they've been copied in, in the UK now, like those boxes full of, like, 
amazing food and it, it comes like ready divided and you'll get like fried chicken mashed potato and so how did they yeah. like I, I, this is nothing to do with using podcasts to build your profile but how, how do you jump from how do you jump from shooting people to serving them tupperware what how did they get the interview ring to that how did they get ring to that both both it's just interesting Okay, well, I thought it was a really interesting story to me because we've, we've all got a background which we grew up in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whether you know whether you grew up in your mansion or whether you grew up in your housing scheme or whatever, like we've all got challenges that we're faced with. It's more convenient and it's easier to go with the flow and decide that your destiny is going to be shaped. Sometimes it's getting shaped, whether or not you like it and you can only put a flavour on it. But what intrigued me about this is that, you know, here's two to three young guys that are brought up in one of the most dangerous neighbourhoods in America. They, they can really easily go down something that's comfortable, or they can break away. They can look for an alternative role model. They can really push themselves. They can leave their environment, and they can create something that's completely new. Uh, and, you know, they can hold on to integrity. And I just thought that I want that to be the story of these guys. That's what I want to share. I don't want to be sharing a story about, you know, you know, gangbangers or, you know, like West Coast customs, you know, like still good stuff. But I just think growing up in Glasgow, like people always think that people from Glasgow are a bit mental or they're alcoholics or they have deep fried pizza or they're like into stabbing people. For years post-war, I would say up to like you know the early eighties, that was the that was the thing of Glasgow. So I think if we can just change that narrative a wee bit, it's good. So I think shedding light on your story, uh, for me was like this would be good. Plus the fact it was just like you know it, I just thought it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to stretch me a bit as well. Yeah. Uh, I think for I think for them taking what they were doing into their business was, was just like. I've seen my friends shot, I've seen my friends in jail, you know, I've seen my friends in a wheelchair. And, you know, him and his mum had a, a chat and she was just like, this is where your life is just now. If you can continue going down this path, chances are this is where it's going to end up. And if you decide to move it this way, then, it, you know, you're still going to be fighting elements. And he talks about still having, a, you know, altercations or a bit of a frequency from the police, but it's nowhere near as bad so yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was quite brave. The whole thing, the whole thing with the podcast was trying to find people that are living a life less than ordinary. You know, trying to find people that are doing something a bit different. And I just thought, well, these guys tick all those boxes. Yeah, that's awesome. So do you mind me asking? Even the Tupperware one. Well, it's just. I mean, I like food, so like trap trap kitchen plays to plays to my uh, desires, but. I also like hip hop, so I just think I find it really interesting that the that they've like taken that um, overly overt nature that comes from being involved in like serious organised crime and how that has applied to hip hop and becomes this really like loud brash music. They've applied it to food, and it, it's it's a really interesting way to express yourself. I, I, I think that's really cool and. Like you say, it's interesting. They could they could have just chose to be really successful drug dealers, but they didn't. And yeah, so 
how did you get to this point? What's 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 your story? The same I wanted to go back. Uh, like I'd worked in like hairdress and I'd worked in nightclubs for years and years. Uh, I'd trained people when I had like all these sort of a, you know different things going on. The company that I'd went for, a, they closed down the franchise that I was in, and I just sort of went from like strange job to strange job. I worked as a chauffeur for a while. Uh, I worked as a bodyguard for a while. And then I was just like in this really weird place. And my friend said to me, said, Stephen, he goes like, you know, you're creative. Like you, you need to go and do something. It's like, you need to start going and having conversations. And like, you know, he's like, you love talking. He's like, just go and do some interviews. So I had been thinking about it for a period of time. And then he was just like, you know, just, just do four. Like do four. Like four conversations is like, you know, you might really like it. And then that was it. Like just, you know, one and then two and then three and then four. And it was just like, it's like, this is great. You can phone people up, tell me you're a podcaster. And you can have a conversation with somebody that you possibly are never going to meet unless you are, like, for whatever reason, in the physical same place at the same time. And it just got to that stage. It was just like, this is great. Like, I don't know if you know the cyclist Mark Beaumont. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I remember watching Mark Beaumont when he was doing his cycling around the world thing. This is going back years, maybe 20 years. And I remember watching that and thinking, oh my God, like I've got so many questions I would like to ask that guy. I would love to sit down and talk to him. Fast forward a number of years later, it was at a TEDx event. And he was there and it was the same guy. And I was like, oh my God, I've got all these questions I want to ask this guy. And then I sent him an email saying, listen... I really want to sit down and ask you some, you know, ask you some questions. Can we talk about you and cycling and life and goal setting and, like, you know, pursuing this thing that's outside the realm of what everyone else is doing? And it was like, cool. And I was at this luxury five-star hotel in the Aberfoyle, and we're sitting down. It's like this guy from the television show from years and years ago. I've got my microphone, I've got my task cam, and the two of us are just like sitting down talking, and I'm just like, this is magical, this is amazing, this is this is awesome. So, and it's a pure conversation. It's not like he's trying to sell me something, it's just like, do you want to have a conversation? Yes. Do I want to have a conversation? Yes. Let's talk. And there is, you know this being a podcast yourself. But there's a point where you're having a conversation with someone and it's just like a flow of like information and there's something like really magnetic about it. And it's just like if you've done your research and they're in the mood for it, like you just get something that's more than people having a conversation. It's just, it's, I, I personally think it's magical. Yeah, I think I really enjoy that. I, I, I never, like a lot of people, like you did this, will, will email me beforehand like, oh, what questions will we cover? What's the structure? And sometimes I just want to go back to them and be like, don't worry, I'll do all the research. You just come on and be you. Because that's when the magic happens. It's kind of, and and it like, for me, obviously we started the podcast to boost my profile, to boost the business. But my profile is best boosted by facilitating, letting other people tell their story. Yep. Yep. So, I think if you can get someone on and you can just like, you know, share it and they, they have that, that strength, that commitment and that conscience just to like let it all hang out. Yeah. Thing, right? 
Yeah, for sure. So when are you going to record some more episodes? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. One of the hardest parts I find about podcasting was getting like knockbacks or getting a, a knockback is like if you're in a club and you ask a girl and she's yeah. that, that's considered a knockback. Or when you get a DC, which is the basically when you just get ghosted by someone. And I find that, you know, really hard to deal with. Like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If I'm to ask somebody and then, like, there's a point, I think I was asking guests that were like a wee bit out of what they thought was their reach and then you're just getting nothing back. I find that quite hard to deal with and just like. I don't need that. That. I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't need that because th- th- there's a reason why, like, you know, actors or anyone that's trying to get a job or trying to get an opportunity. There's a reason why these people have a, a certain taste or attractive to like, you know, certain types of antisocial behaviour, i.e., you know, drinking, smoking, you know, whatever else it is. Because if you keep on getting like knockbacks all day long, you're like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my show? Why isn't yeah. you doing it? I think you can then take it personally. Like as a couple of guests that as a television space because it doesn't throw me in the best light, but they will just do it anyway. There's a few guests I said I would really like you to come in the show. This is what I'd like you to talk about. This is the reason why I'm asking you. Uh, this is what we're going to cover. I'm like, cool, that sounds amazing. Great. What dates it you? Blah, blah. And then you just get like a, an email like day before. Oh, I can't do it. That's fine. The problem's all these things happen. Men's on a convenient date. I'll get back to you. And then it's like, you know, you send us the emails or whatever. And then you're just like, fuck you. Like, seriously, fuck you. If somebody turned around to me and said, no, you can't, you can't get that, then I'd be like, cool. I really respect that. Any reason why? Nope, that's fine. All of the best. When someone says it'll do it, and then, yeah, I'm just like, I, I just think it's ignorant. Uh, yeah, so fuck those people. <laughs> so I suppose <laughs> to answer your question, I would, you know what I'm talking about? Though? It's like, you know, you say somebody will <laughs> do it, and then... Like, it's it's, it's the same. It's the same in business. You know, most of our listeners are business owners, and I hate that game people play. If they know what the product is, they know how much it is, and then they're like, "Oh, can you just pop it in an email?" I'm like, just "Tell the truth. Just admit that yeah. you're not brave enough to say no now, like, or admit that." I mean, we talked about this before. This is a shit thing to say, but I'm saying it anyway. Admit that your wife's got you by the balls, and so you don't have permission to spend that money. Or admit that your husband yeah. won't let you spend that money. Or admit that you'd rather spend it on a pedigree dog than invest in your future. But don't make me waste my time writing a proposal and chasing it if you're always going to say no in the first place. Oh, yeah, touch the nerve. If someone, yeah, if someone. I think it's because people go like, when you say no, they might just go, oh, well, then a mind game of like sales is going to start. Someone says no, I'm like, cool. Is it us or is it you? And then to say, is it like, it's you? And I'm like, cool. Is there something I've not explained? Uh, do you feel it's not right for you? Like, do you want to revisit it? But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just crap behavior. So I would like to go back and record some more, but it's just like it takes so much input. Like, it, you know, it takes a huge amount of input. And I think I would only go back to it if I could outline like 35 guests. Okay. Oh, that's, a, yeah, yeah. that's, that's but, big. Yeah. Yeah, well, I did have this magic thing of, like, I want to get it up to 100 before I wrap it. Uh, so I would like to get, like, another 35. And it sounds terrible, like, oh, I've interviewed so many people, you know, there's no one that I'm uh, 
It's no one that I really want to talk to that much. Of course there is, there's people that I want to talk to. But, uh, yeah, I think when I think when life goes back up to normal, then I really would, because there, there are certain people that I would like to talk to, but I think at this stage you'd possibly have to choose a niche. Yeah. And stick to it. Because if you're trying to grow like 35 different niches or even 10 or even more than shit, more than three, then you're in trouble. So I think I would need to niche down and just go, right, these are the three. But then sometimes I just go, well, these would be the three niches. But holy shit, that guy's been doing a better job for me in the last 10 years. And his contacts are amazing. And his full-time day job is aligned with that. So uh, I think at this stage, I don't know, it's a bit of a Rubik's Cube. Yeah, I mean, all you listeners under the age of twenty-five, you'll know what that is. Rubik's cube, but surely they've come back around by now. The retro now, the retro. You can get them in a t-shirt. Oh God! Uh, well, I mean, I mean, what did I see that was retro the other day, and it's upset me. Oh, um, Power Rangers protein mix. Really? Yeah, it was it was uh, my protein. I've got a Power Ranger. You know, you like a lot of people. Rather than having the shakes now, they have like the cordial ones that. And there's yeah. a my, my protein have a Power Rangers one, and it's like their retro range. I was like, oh no, I'm that, old. Do we really need retro range like you know power drinks? Is that a thing? I don't know. When I think about it now, I think it's... Well, I, I drink Sneak, actually, the energy drink, which is like a sugar-free energy drink, and they do a Bubblegum Millions retro one, and I, I'm pretty into, right. I'm pretty into that. I think that's... Uh, there's something... Uh, like, all our staff ask me what Millions are, but it m- makes me feel cool, so... <laughs> You're already cool. You don't need staff to... Like, what do you <laughs> so, our, our podcast is called Stay Hungry, and and... The honest reason I invited you on is I knew that in order to get a guest on your podcast, you flew to LA, which is a pretty strong example of being hungry for it. What what would be your one tip for listeners? I mean, it doesn't have to be podcast related, but just just listeners that are looking to progress, to stay hungry, what would be your number one tip? Okay. Number one tip is that wherever you are in life right now, like I, th- I think there's a thing of people comparing like themselves right now to where someone is five or even 10 years down the line. And pardon my French, I think that's fucking dangerous. It's also a bit on the stupid side. I am aware of the concept of modeling someone that's went before you. Uh, you know, Tony Robbins and many other people have spoken about it more recently yeah. than I will. But I would just say, you know, don't say I'm going to make two million pounds this year if the most you've ever made is like 35 because all you're going to do is like make this ladder that's impossible to climb it's going to be really windy and be covered in grease it's going to be riddled with rust it's going to be falling down and there's definitely going to be some you know detritus falling from above so yeah I'm, I'm all for people having big goals I think it's like really important but just if you do want to do two million, say okay, we'll do two million. You know, year three, I'll do like you know one in year two, and be prepared to move those goalposts because I think sometimes people can just be like, right, it's a goal set in stone. Like this is the only thing that's happened. Choose something five years, work it back. Here's what I need to do by year four, three, two, one, 
here's what I'm going to have to do, like, you know, in the first, second, third, fourth quarter. Uh, what is going to be the thing that is going to turn that for me on a daily and a weekly? So I think sometimes people just go, yeah, I'm going to get that. And then it's just like, then they just they can't start the momentum because they don't have anything going. So my thing would be, you know, goals, lots of goals, keep them small, and then, you know, you know, break them out into something larger. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. We've... um We've just done our team vision meeting today, actually, which is exactly what you just described. The, there is a some big, scary goals at the end of it, but you you've got to break it down into its constituent parts and and make it all attainable. Because if you just go on Instagram and go for instant gratification, and you think that that person stood there with a Lamborghini started that way, it's a quick way to make yourself feel shit. Yeah, I mean, Stranger, I worked as an actor for a period of time. Uh, and if you know everyone at drama school wants to be the next Robert De Niro, you know, like, yeah, cool. Like, you know, but Robert De Niro wasn't Robert De Niro. Yeah. Like, you know, he was, he was just some guy that, you know, started out. But people always want to compare it to this thing to, you know, well, I want this money and I want this car or whatever. That money in that car is nice, but goddamn, they've all got to get paid for, you know. And I just think sometimes people have like, you know, the end goal of the rewards, as opposed to like the process and the journey. The journey, yeah, yeah. it's 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 huge. It like you can become so materialistic, and I don't mean like necessarily cars or watches, um, but so like focused on that. I'm going to make a million pound or ten million pound, or I'm going to have this house or. I'm going to be able to retire at 50 that you slog your way to it and then maybe or maybe not reach it. But you've wasted like 30 years of your work in life that could have been really joyful. I feel sad for the kids that are about 18, 21 just now because they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok or whatever. It's like, you know, some kid or whatever. And if he's done it, Fair fucks to him, congratulations, can't take anything away from him, but it's just like, you know, whether it's crypto or whether it's something else, it's like, you know, they're 21 and they're rocking out like 800 grand worth of cars and like a, you know, four million pound house, whatever. And if, if that's in delayed completion and if that's like a finance, but again, still, you know, it's your choice, mate, it's your life. But I just can't help but think that the perception of how kids are measuring success. And when I say kids, I'm saying anyone between the ages of 18 to 21 or younger, um, but also anyone that's been slogging, like, you know, for the last sort of five years, and it's just like, why this kid that looks like he's Justin Bieber's you know, wee brother is, like, having this lifestyle? And I think I think that, that can be, you know, I think it can be really dangerous. Yeah, I agree. So you've been an awesome guest. How, how can people get in touch for when you start your podcast up again? Uh, if you just down 999 and that's the fuckhead, I'm like a one. Uh, so if you just go to YouTube, if you type in stephenrowanshow.com, uh, and then it'll be in there and there's lots of stuff. So that's where you'll be able to find me. Uh, by all means, reply to comments. I always get back to people if you send me a message. Uh, if you go to the podcast show, www.stephenrowan, should you really say www. But anyway, go to www.stephenrowanshow.com. Then there's a contact thing in there. So uh, if you want to send me money in Venmo, if you want to buy me crypto, um, should stop cracking the jokes. Uh, if there's a question that you want answered, then please uh, feel free to contact me. 
And although, you know, the answer might not be the best, certainly don't take any financial advice. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll always get back to someone. Awesome. Awesome. And finally, and I ask this to all guests, what's your favourite film and why? Uh, my favourite film is The Goonies. And no. Oh, we got on so well to this point. Okay, well, what I'm going to say is The Goonies is my favourite film for a certain reason. But, I mean, I could, like, you and I could honestly talk about films all day long. Like, seriously, all day long. I love films. IMDb is the second most visited site on my phone because I can't stop watching films. I mean, I could tell you that it's Stand By Me. I could tell you it's Biloxi Blues. I could tell you it's Platoon. Like, there's so many films. And I love this question, however. I think there's got to be, what's your favourite animated film? Like, what's your favourite, like, kids' film? Like, All right. what's your favourite horror film? Now we're talking. What's your favourite war film? What's your favourite like, animated film? I have to say it's Up. Uh, uh, cool. Is it because Kevin? Is anything, uh, I just think any film that can get you to, like, dial right into your emotions within the first 15 or 20 minutes. Would it be really... So, Inappropriate to do a Kevin impression on the podcast. If you can do one, then go he goes like or something. That's his noise, right? Yeah, that's nice. That's pretty good. And Kevin is a um, a bird. I can't remember what bird he is. He's a a snark. like bird. Yeah, yeah. He's got like it's a really common bird, but they think he's a whatever it is. Yeah. I think I think that film because you've got the beautiful love story. And then, sadly, like, you know, there's that loss. I remember watching it in the flight back from Dubai. Yeah. We'd been on this amazing holiday and, you know, we're sitting in the plane and my girlfriend's sitting next to me. She's watching this comedy. And then I'm just, like, pure grabbing her hands, like, crying my eyes out. And she's like, are you all right? I'm like, yes, it's really good. <laughs> this cartoon's brutal. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, would, I would say that. That's my favourite animated film. Nice. That, that's a, Okay. I'm going to have to get you on another. What's your favourite 80s film? I would have to say The Breakfast Club. Okay. Because I think there's something, I think there's something really, again, really beautiful about that film because it's not just your typical jocks and like, you know, weirdos, although, you know, they are themes that are pulled out, but it's just about the vulnerability of, you know, people and at that special age, like, who they are, who they want to be, who society thinks sh- who thinks they should be, uh, that wrestling point in between trying to discover themselves. And again, I remember like you know watching that film. I think it was BBC Two. It's probably eleven o'clock at night, and just that point, you know, where Judd Nelson, you know, points his fist and walks away, and then Simple Minds comes up, and I was just like, awesome. So I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't mean to hate on the Goonies quite as hard as That's I did. It. But um, it it's like that one kids film I never got on board with, and then I think I saw it too late in life. And when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, this this isn't isn't hitting." What what age did you watch? Or what year did you watch it? I, I, I reckon I'd have been like fifteen. So what year was that? Nah, you were too busy. You were too busy trying to like be cool and like discovering like yeah, yeah. And it stuck that hot. You know, like you know, like above. you know, like when people hate popular things because it's cool to hate something popular. That's what I did. Yeah. That's what I did, and it stuck. And now I'm like, I've got the same problem with Back to the Future, and people like rip on me for it. it... I, th- I think so. I'm. 
So I was born in 74. So yeah. Goonies came out when I was 11. So all the kids in the film, I think, with the exception of Josh Brolin, who's supposed to be like 18, but all the other kids, they're about that very, very early teen stuff. Yeah. So for me, when I watched that, like it was a, it was a pouring, we were supposed to be out playing football and it was so wet and cold that we all sat down and watched it in the afternoon. So when the establishing shot of Astoria in, a, in Oregon, like it's all overcast and it's wet, and I ended up watching it in my mate's house with, a, I think it was six of us. And I'm not saying that, you know, you know we had a, you know, the same kids that were there, but there was a cheeky one, there was a fat one, there was a mouthy one or whatever. And it was a horrible day and, you know, his mum came through and she was like making sandwiches and stuff. And actually the physicality or the, the layout of their house was very similar to the one that we were watching it in. And it was just like, oh, this is cool. This is not just watching it yourself. This is watching it with your gang. That we all used to like, you know, kick about in bikes and play football and get in trouble or whatever. So for me, like that, that was just the perfect point. That's cool. I like that. I like that. That's it's like immersive cinema. Yeah, yeah. It was like totally like it was just everything was there. I remember like getting a cheese sandwiches with like you know soup or whatever, and it was like blown cold outside, and we we're all coming. And she kept on coming. A mum came to and said like, "Oh, you know, do you want some juice? Do you want some biscuits?" And I was like, "This is amazing." It was so good that it finished, and we rewound it right back to the beginning and watched it and. If that's not a matter of a good film or enjoyable that, film, I don't know what is. That's awesome. That's awesome. Stephen, you've been such a generous guest. Thanks so much for coming on the Stay Hungry no. podcast. My pleasure. I hope there's uh, been some value that's been provided, uh, and I hope whoever's uh, listened to it has got something out of it. And can I can I speak to your audience directly? Of course, always. Oh, cool. Okay. So if you're listening to this podcast, the chances are that you're striving for a better life that you're trying to learn new stuff uh, and you're trying to like, you know, make your life a little bit better. I salute that. I think it's good. I do that as well. But what I would say is that there may well be times in your life when you're hit with setbacks uh, and always, always be kind to yourself and always be kind in your own thoughts. Legend. And, and genuinely. I, I met you for the first time four weeks ago. We've sp- we've spoken once on Zoom before then, and you treated me like you'd known me forever, and I'm and I'll be forever grateful for that. So you practice what you preach. You don't just spite some virtue signalling on a podcast. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate thank what you, you just said. No, no, thank you, Joel. And they, you know, it was it was really good to like you know hang up and like catch. But I can remember like when we first spoke in the phone. I was just like that. Yeah, this is a good guy. Yeah, no, it's yeah. a nice fit. It's a nice fit. We'll, we'll do yeah. this again. I love it. Okay, man. Thanks again. Listen, you be safe, and I'll see you soon.